0: Get your Bibles. We are in the book of John. I feel very, very challenged uh, out of the book of John, and uh, for all many, many times when you're preaching and teaching the Word the way that pastors do week after week, um, it is it is really wonderful to come into a season. When the preparation of the Word of God and when the teaching of the Word of God and and what happens on Sunday morning actually as a pastor feeds your life, that's a very interesting statement. Unless you unless you've been in a situation where you teach the Word week after week, uh, that might not be something that uh, that that resonates with you. But the reality of it is, when you teach the Word week after week after week. Um, we always have to be careful and prayerful for things not to become rote and and regular and and, and just, uh, okay, it's another week and and so on. And I'm very careful not to do that because I have a a relationship with Jesus. And uh, the Lord talks with me and I talk with him and and we interact and he he talks to me about the teaching uh, quite regularly and shares his heart with me regarding what is important to be shared from the Word of God, but this particular season of time has been a, a, a great of great encouragement to me because I've seen the Book of John. I keep saying this to you, very differently than I've ever seen it before, and the Holy Spirit has challenged me to draw out from between the stories. So we go through the Book of John and and we see very familiar passages of scripture, and folks that have been uh, in the Word a long time and studied the Word or been in church a long time and around the teaching of the Word, um, you get very familiar, particularly in the New Testament, with some of those stories from the life of Jesus. And I was sharing in prayer this morning. It's been amusing to me uh, this week as I've walked around the complex at different times that I've been here, and I walked through the fellowship hall, and, and there's a dry erase board there where the kids are being taught and it says on it uh it's the five loaves and two fishes it makes reference to that and it says not just another fish story. We've all had those fish stories where those fish we caught were bigger than than they really were. And I realize that sometimes to us the word of God becomes a, 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 a series of stories and experiences and, and even to the point that there are people in our generation that believe that this book is allegorical, not historical. But Jesus is real. And the stories of his, from his life are real events that took place in the lives of individuals. And we must be careful not to just think of it as a group of stories among stories that are told in our life. But the Holy Spirit has really challenged me to go in between those stories. In the English language, there is a danger. We we do a lot of of, uh, communication with conjunction, meaning language that just bridges from one subject to another from one point to another in the course of a conversation and if we're not careful we will read scripture that way and we'll read the main story that's in a passage like we did last uh, week in John chapter 10 uh, where uh, Jesus said I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice well that's the the primary themes uh, in the chapter And then we'll take those verses that lead us from the primary thought to the next primary thought, and we will see them just as as language bridges that get us from one uh, school of thought to another, as though God changed the subject in the middle of the conversation. Now, I've communicated with people who do that, and it's frustrating, but God doesn't do that. So I was reading this week, and and I was getting ready. I've got my mind all set on what's going on in chapter 11 and chapter 12, and I'm looking ahead and saying, Lord, where do we go from here? And at the end of the discussion last week in chapter 10, the Scripture says... um, in verse forty, after the, the, there's there's things going on in verse twenty two uh, the shepherd is talking about the sh- the shepherd knows his sheep, and Jesus is explaining that he knows us he knows who we are, and he knows where we 're at he knows what we 're going through, and then it goes on down into verse thirty one uh, through 39, and it's talking about the challenge that Jesus is facing and that uh, the religious leaders of his day are, are renewing their efforts to take his life and they're trying to, they're, they're trying to find, an o- seeking, seeking an opportunity to crucify him. And the story goes through all of that. And then we get to verse 40, and there is one of those moments that we have treated as a transition in scripture. And it really does, it transitions us from what we were just previously looking at to the next thing that goes on in Scripture. But verse 40 says this, And he went his way again beyond Jordan to the place where John, John the Baptist, was baptizing at first, where John the Baptist's ministry began where he began to baptize people. Remember John the Baptist, his, his assignment was to run throughout the, the, the uh, cities there and the, and, the, and the countryside, and everyone he came in contact with, he just said, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. The, the, the day of the Lord is upon us. The, the Messiah is coming. His whole assignment was, attention, attention, he's coming. The Messiah is coming. Prepare your heart to receive the Messiah. He's coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Turn your attention again to the things of God in a fresh way. That's what John was saying. So Jesus goes out of this place where they're trying to take his life and where all of this tension and experience and tension and frustration is taking place. And he pulls himself aside, and the Bible says he goes beyond the Jordan to the place where John first started baptizing, and there he stayed. And then those who had heard John, they come to him in verse 41. Many come to him, and they said, John performed no signs. He didn't do miracles like you do miracles. John didn't do signs and wonders. He just talked. But all the things that John spoke about you are true. John didn't do any signs and wonders, but everything he said to us, we have discovered was true. And it says in verse 42, And many believed in him there. Many believed in Jesus there. I want to talk to you today about this passage of scripture. When I read this, I was like, okay, that takes us on to, uh, it's the the next verse, they start talking about Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? Maybe we'll talk about Lazarus a week or so here. But right now, we're at this point where all of this tension is going on in the life of Jesus, and then he pulls himself aside. He's like, let's get out of all this religious brouhaha and this political uh, turmoil and all of this stuff that's going on over here. Let's just go over here and find a quiet place where people actually want me. Anybody ever feel that way? You want to leave work and go where somebody actually likes you? Well, Jesus said, let's, let's just get away. Let's just find some place to chill for a little bit. That's really what was going on here. He's trying to find a spot where he can decompress a little bit from all of the tension And then after this block of scripture, these three little passages, then he goes and Lazarus has died and he's got to deal with the death of one of his very close friends. And then things get really interesting after that. I can't wait to talk to you about all those things. But what does this passage of scripture really speak to us? Jesus went beyond the Jordan to the place where John first baptized, and there he stayed. Many came to him and they said, John performed no signs, but everything that he spoke about you is true. And many believed in him there. So let me let's just talk about John for a minute. John only did one thing. He just ran around the desert. He was kind of weird. He was strange. He didn't wear any cool clothes. He wasn't like Mac. <laughs> he wasn't a snappy dresser. The Bible said he was just a, in rough garments out in the middle of nowhere. He was one of these guys. He was a survivalist. Eating locusts and honey. Ew. He wasn't even a good cook. He was just, oh, there's a bug. It's crunchy. Give me some honey. It kind of tastes bitter. That's how he got to that, right? He's just just a rough guy, outdoor. He's an outdoorsman, living living off the land. The Bible tells us something about his life here. John just preached. He just preached Jesus. Messiah's coming. That's all he did. Nothing special. He just preached. He didn't even do any miracles. No signs and wonders. Yet Jesus says of him, in another passage of Scripture, that of all the men, of everyone who ever came into this earth through the womb, that John is the greatest. There was none greater than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. That weird preacher from the backside of nowhere, Jesus said... All of those born among women, there has risen none greater than John the Baptist. Jesus affirmed that strange guy who did nothing but preach. Every time someone came in contact with him, they're like, oh, here he goes again. He's just saying the same thing. He's he's preaching the same message he preached last time. How many of y'all would hang out if every week you came, I preached the same (laughs) message? Didn't you say that last week? Yes. Let me say it again. Prepare the way of the Lord. He didn't even have a big message. He didn't have a complicated word. He was not a, a great theologian by any stretch of the imagination. He didn't explain any of the deep things of God. He just said, Messiah's coming. Get ready. Turn your attention back to the things of God. And Jesus said, there's never come anyone greater than that man right there. And then I think some of the most powerful words in Scripture are the ones we pay the least attention to. I want to help you with something today. I'm just going to be a little bit pastoral. But I I want you to hear this. They said of him to Jesus, they told Jesus, everything he said about you is true. He only said a little bit, but everything he said is true. And then, maybe one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the entire book, we read, and many believed on him there. As a result of John doing what John was supposed to do, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. He preached that message. And as a result of him preaching the message, speaking the truth, many believed they were convinced because of the simple declaration of the gospel out of John's life. Now, what does that have to do with us? That's, that's John. But I want to share something with you. I think this is, I think this is an extremely important passage of Scripture. It's not a primary passage of scripture and it's one of those that we would read over quickly and think nothing of it, but I think that it has powerful implications for the believer today. What does it have to do with me? You know, if you haven't noticed and particularly those of you that are visiting, if you're new to Church of Living Water uh, and we hope you'll hang out with us a good long time and, and in a week or two you're not new anymore, right? We're so glad you're here. We're a Pentecostal church. We pray in the spirit. We'd love to talk to you about that and help you with that if that's a challenge to you in any way. Because we've learned to hear the voice of the Lord. He talks to us. Yes, we talk back. We have conversation with God. I just love it when people go, you believe you hear God talk to you? Yes. Yes. I hear his voice. I'm not hearing voices. I hear his voice. A lot of voices, but I'm listening for his. But nevertheless, what does this have to do with me? The Bible says to believers like us, desire spiritual gifts desire increase in the flow of the things of God out of your life. So, so there comes to us this value to desire to have more of God than we have today, to have more of His gifts, more of His anointing, more uh, abilities in the things of God, more understanding, more discernment, more, we're, all, we're, we're like the more God people. I want more of you. Well, you have all of me, but I want more of you. And, and that's, what we value, and that's how we perceive the things of God, and that's just part of our spiritual DNA, it's who we are, but we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have more of the things of the Lord flowing through us, it is, it is just kind of our makeup, we really, if we're pursuing God with all of our heart, we start analyzing to see if there's more of our heart that, we've, that we're holding back, and we look for ways to pursue Him even more, it's the value that we hold as believers in our generation. But then we run across this guy, John. He didn't prophesy, other than in the context of just declaring Jesus. That one message that he was given was what he prophesied. He didn't come up and say, let me give you a personal word from God. He just preached Jesus Here's the Messiah. He's coming. That's the guy. Follow him. Pay attention. God is speaking. God is moving in our generation. Pay attention. Just said the same thing over and over again. He didn't do signs and wonders. He didn't lay hands on anybody to receive healing. He didn't cast out any devils, as far as we can tell from Scripture. He didn't do anything that, would, that was flashy, that would draw attention to himself. He, he didn't have the kind of ministry that would have become international by any means. John was not the guy who was going to go out and buy TV time. If that had been available to him. He had, in what our in our context, he had what would probably be considered a small ministry in a limited area of influence. But he came among the nation and he said, "Pay attention. Something's happening. The season is changing. Look, children of God, Messiah is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord." So what does this have to do with this? We need to be, be the kind of believers who do what we are assigned and graced to do. There are some people who are, we, are, we get, I'm just being pastoral with you. Listen, you just, just let me lead you for a minute in the things of the Lord. There are some people who get so caught up with what they don't have that they miss the value of what they do. They get so caught up with with something that they're not graced to do that they're they're enamored with something that, that that some other gift or ability that's in the life of someone else and they look to that and they desire that and there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with you desiring things in your life that are not there presently but not at the risk of losing the value of what God, of how God has graced you presently. One of the pitfalls of Pentecostal understanding and the way that we live our life it has always been very clear to me that one of the pitfalls in walking with God, the way that we walk with God, is that we're always looking for what God's going to do and in looking for what God's going to do, quite often we miss very clearly what God is doing right this minute. And this I learned from the life of John. John did not miss what God was doing in and through John in his season of time. And I know so many people who I believe as a pastor, I have watched people who have rejected the opportunity to do something great, in all simplicity, to do something great for God right now in the middle of the circumstances that they are living in and completely missed that opportunity because they had their eye on and their heart set on something that had not yet materialized in their life. Moses, whenever he went before God, whenever he stood before before God and God was giving him assignment and talking to him about his assignment, he began to make excuses before God, but I, I can't do that. I, I, I can't speak clearly. I, I can't go stand in front of the king and speak. You've got to send someone to speak for me. And he began to immediately analyze the assignment that was in front of him and give himself all the reasons that he couldn't do in all simplicity what he was being asked to do. Until God finally said, you're going, I'm sending him, let's not talk about this anymore, just go. So the Bible tells us that John did what he was assigned and graced to do. He was assigned to simply preach the gospel. Preach that Messiah is coming. Call the people to attention regarding the things of God. That was his assignment. It was simple. John could very well have said, Oh, I understand that, 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 uh, that, that, that you want me to preach, prepare you the way of the Lord, but, but I, I would really like to have some, some other things going on. I'd like to have some influence in some other areas. But Jesus said he was greatest of all who had been born up to that time. And I believe the reason Jesus made that observation was because John did what he was supposed to do. He simply did what he was supposed to do in his season of opportunity to do it. So I challenge you this morning that you and I as believers, that we do what we are assigned in grace to do, that we do what is in front of us now to do. Bible says when you, whatever your hand finds to do, just do it with everything that is in you. Just do it with all your might. Just give it your best. But what if my best isn't good enough? What if it is? What if your best is better than you imagined? What if God shows up and graces you in the middle of you doing your best and it just excels because he loves you? And he's good. We discovered that during worship, right? So do what you're assigned in grace to do. Don't worry about what you're not graced to do. There are a great many people I come across, particularly as I'm mentoring and encouraging other pastors and leaders. And, and when I get an assignment to minister, it doesn't happen as often uh, as you might think, but when I get an assignment to minister in some other environment, uh, on the mission field or in someone else's church, and, and we have conversations afterwards about the things that the Lord did, and, and uh, particularly related to prophetic ministry, I have pastors and leaders say, oh, I wish I could do that that way. You know what my response is? Don't try to be like me. Just be you. Let the Holy Spirit grace you to be you. We've all discovered in my house, the world doesn't need two of me. (laughs) One's enough. don't worry about what you're not graced to do. Desire spiritual gifts. Ask God for more. Feel free to do all of that. I I don't want to diminish the desire for greater things in you. I believe that the scripture promises that the latter house is always greater than the former. The things to come are always better than the things that are behind us, Cindy and Jeff. The things that are ahead of you, as rich as this season has been in your life, the things that are ahead of you are fantastic. I can't wait to hear what God does. Because what's ahead of you is better than what's behind you. And then I believe, just as Jesus spoke of John, God honors us when we're faithful stewards of our assignment. Listen. I don't care how much greater you are desiring in God and how much you'd like to move forward in the things of the Lord, He will not move you forward in in the things of God and He will not increase assignments in your life or grace in your life or other things if what He has put you over and where He has placed you, you are unfaithful in that place. The Bible says that a steward must be found faithful. So He's looking for you to be faithful over few things before he adds things to you. I remember when I was, when I recognized, 14, 15 years old, when I recognized that God had called me to preach the gospel. And in those early days, before I realized that I didn't have the nature for it and and understood myself a little better, the first thing when God called me to preach, I saw a stadium full of people, Billy Graham. Just as I am. Let's sing it all together, you know. (laughs) Then I got a little older and a little wiser and began to say yes to the Lord regarding my assignment and realized that I really didn't want to be in front of people at all. And I certainly didn't want to be in front of 60,000 people. But saying yes to those small assignments, I remember at 13 years old, teaching my first Sunday school class. 13 years old. And I would venture to say that if I had not taught that, thir- that Sunday school class at 13 years old and, and been discipled at that level, and if I had not taken that, I, I was teaching the young married class while I was still single. I don't know how that worked, but it worked. <laughs> so I had this Bible class with young married couples, that I was teaching before I met Laura and married, and the Lord was preparing me for what that looks like in life, I guess. But I was teaching that, and I'd venture to say that if I had not taken those assignments and and became serious about those assignments and didn't despise the moment that I was in, that I would not be standing before you teaching today from the Word of God. If I had not been faithful over those few things, God would not have been able to increase in me the gifts that I was desiring he would not have been able to bring increase to me absent faithfulness over the thing that was in front of me to do. And sometimes the thing that was in front of me to do, I remember before the teaching the Sunday school classes and, and before leading junior church and teaching the children, the assignments were, let's go to the church, we have to mow the lawn. Let's go to the church, we've got some maintenance and some cleaning to, that, that, that they want to do today. And, and those, those, the faithfulness over those early assignments, even as a child, as I begin to develop in the things of God, I, I look back now and I know that what God has given me, particularly the opportunities, some of the opportunities that I've had to be in, in the earth, preaching and teaching in other nations and things that have gone on in my life that I, that I value and embrace and am excited about, those would have never happened, absent faithfulness over the thing that he asked me to do. A steward must be found faithful and those would have never happened if there had not been faithfulness over my house and over my family and over the assignments that we have in the natural let's not separate natural assignments as as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers let's not separate those from spiritual things that's a that's a mistake Don't separate your responsibility simply as a man and as a husband from the development of spiritual things in your life. If you can't be faithful over natural things, he certainly cannot invest in you and give to you spiritual assignments. If you don't show up to work on time and do that job well, how can God bring promotion to you? There's a pastoral moment for you. Laura was saying to—I think this morning I heard a conversation Laura was having with Jesse about taking out the trash. Now, taking out the trash is not spiritual at all, but if if your assignment is taking out the trash and you don't learn to do that well, how are you going to ever hold down a job? Learn to take out the trash, right? Whole conversation—it was great. It was deeply spiritual. If you had listened to her, you'd have loved it. God honors us when we are faithful stewards over our assignment. Jesus honored John simply because he was faithful to the task. He said because he was faithful to the task, there was none greater among him. And they're going, wait a minute, He he didn't do any great signs and wonders. He was not flashy. In fact, he was kind of weird and out there in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus said he was the greatest ever. The only thing I can conclude from that is he was great because he was faithful. He was great because he showed up, did what he was supposed to do. And then the other most powerful statement from this passage of Scripture, and many believed in him there. Faithfulness produces harvest. Faithfulness produces results. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness to the task, being faithful, being consistent, being someone that, that God and people... Listen, if people can't rely on you, I assure you that God can't either. If people cannot depend upon you to show up on time, to be where you, where you are supposed to be, to be doing what you're supposed to be doing and to be on task and to be uh, engaged in whatever the assignment is around you, if people can't depend on you, I assure you that God can't depend on you. Oh, but I, I wouldn't do that to God. If you've done it to the least of these, there's, there's the truth of the principle. Anything you've done to the least of these the Father would say, you've done that to me. I told you I was going to be pastoral in this word. So I believe the challenge from the Spirit of the Lord today is this. I believe that we are challenged by the Spirit of God to do with joy and with gladness what we are assigned in grace to do. And to not be, that while we are desiring greater things and while we can look at our life and and we may be able to assess that that we'd like to have more or different or, or, or something like that, that in the middle of all of that, we don't miss the moment. You know, it's, it's really, a, um, I'm going to digress in, 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 in conclusion here for, for just a moment. If we are so caught up with what is going to happen and what might be ahead of us that we miss that God is healing and delivering and setting free and, and loving on people and, and changing lives in our midst right now, it would be a really, really sad thing. Don't miss what God is doing in and through you now. I was sharing, a, I think it was men's breakfast, I don't know where I was. I was sharing with someone, I told the story just the other day, a friend of mine, yeah, I think it was men's breakfast, a friend of mine that I grew up with and I took to church when I, uh, with me when I was a little kid, he, he rode to church with us couple times uh, as, uh, all i can remember is probably fourth or fifth grade i cannot remember more than maybe once or twice i took this young man to church with me he heard the gospel the way that they teach children in children's church simpli- sim- simplicity of the gospel jesus loves you jesus died for your sin jesus receives you then i was in college and i was downtown for a big Church gathering that was taking place in a hotel downtown uh, years later. I was 20 some years old. And this young man that I was in fourth or fifth grade with walks in. He's got this big old Bible under his arm and he's in a suit back in the day when we wore suits and all that, you know, like Mac's wearing right now. And uh, I'm picking on you today because I love you. Um, So he walks in. I walk into this hotel. And and all of a sudden I hear this voice that I had not heard since elementary school. And he says, Anthony, and he comes over and he gives me a big old bear hug. I'm trying to figure out who it is. Gives me this big old bear hug. And, and, and then I realized who it is, and I said hello to him. His name was Jerry. And I said, Hi Jerry, how are you? I haven't seen you in so many years. What's going on? And I, I didn't even know you knew Jesus. He goes, I didn't. <laughs> but you took me to church. There you go. He said, at at church I heard about Jesus, and and my parents didn't go to church, and they didn't want anything to do with God, and they didn't even want to have the God conversation. But he said, I decided when you took me to church that when I was grown, I was going to get to know more about this Jesus. And he said, so as soon as I could, as soon as I could drive, as soon as I could get on my own, as soon as I could get out of uh, that uh, restricted uh, response to the things of God. I took myself to church and I gave my life to Jesus, and, I, and it's because you took me in fourth or fifth grade. Now, the challenge there for us is don't miss what's happening in front of us, waiting for some big thing to happen tomorrow. Just be faithful over today's assignment. And I assure you that sometime later in your life, the Lord will give you those moments where you get a glimpse back and you see that faithfulness produces results. Faithfulness produces harvest. So don't worry about if the assignment is small. Don't worry about if you're not able to be as flashy as the next guy, as influential as the next guy, as well-known as the next guy, or, or do things the way the other guy does them, please don't think you have to do things the way I do them. Dear Lord, what a mess that would be. I don't like organized religion. Well, come to Church of Living Water. We're very disorganized. <laughs> it's not organized religion here. Don't worry about being like the next guy. Just be who you are. God will affirm you in your stewardship, in your faithfulness to the assignment, and you will see that there is harvest.